0: It's the this is another episode of the Annoyed Not Offended podcast. For people who are never in a bad mood, everyone else is just annoying, and I'm your host Sydney. Let's dive into what's getting under our skin this week. What is up, you guys, and welcome back for another episode of the Annoyed, Not Offended podcast. Again, this is a weekly podcast for the unoffended but constantly irritated individuals. I like to kind of put a spin on my tagline now that this is a podcast that features annoying ass subjects in the most inoffensive way possible. As always, I am your host, Sydney, discussing the latest and greatest in the news of what has gotten on my nerves this week, because as always, you guys, it is something, but looks like I have plenty of new guests this week. I am joined by a longtime friend. I literally have known this man since middle school, um, but I have Cameron joining me. He is hilarious and pretty much himself all the time you know i'm not gonna call him an asshole or nothing but he himself all the time but seriously i am happy to be joined by cameron this week do you want to give a quick introduction
1: yeah, what's up? Um, I'm Cam Brantley, born and raised here in Spanish Lake. Uh, like Sid said, we basically grew up, you know, beating each other's asses through Southeast Middles High School, you know, the hallways and shit. Um Yeah, I mean, I'm just a just a kid, you know, born and raised out this way. You know what I mean? And nothing more than that, really.
0: God it well, I have recently I came up with this topic when thinking about race relations in America. You know, <laughs> I miss everything taking place here. And just over the course of the last, like, few years, um, just like uh, everything we've seen in the news cycle and just how, you know, we are a country that is just as diverse as it is segregated. And, you know, what is it like being biracial somewhere like that and the complexities that it has as opposed to being a mono race person or single race person? Um, So, you know, I went out and found somebody who I felt would bring that um, authenticity to the discussion. So starting off with our very first segment of the show, we have fed up or f***ed up. So Cam... this segment of my show allows my audience to get to know my guests better because you know what way to learn about people than learning about what gets under their damn skin
1: yeah Uh, so you
0: can talk about like what has you annoyed or fed up this week i got a little snippet um but you got anything off the top of your mind or what you want me to go first
1: uh i think i got a little something um and this is one it kind of works well into what we're talking about today um Mm -hmm. So we had the Derek Chauvin, um, I I believe I said his last name wrong, but you know, we had the the verdict where, you know, he was sentenced and everything, which is like a blessing, you know, like as any black person, it's like, damn, that's about fucking time. But Mm -hmm. I'm fucking fed up with all these white allies texting me or like reaching out and posting shit. And it's like, I'm so sorry. And I'm so happy for you. And I'm sorry that you have to experience this. And I'm like, motherfucker, like, what are you talking about? I live this every day. Like, what are you talking about? Like, stop fucking apologizing. Just stop apologizing and do something. I don't give a shit. You don't need to apologize to me. You don't need to apologize for your whiteness. I don't need white guilt bled into my life.
0: Yes, agree. And even then, more so, like you said, what is this going to do for me? Like, what does this apology do? I've already lived my life and had these experiences. (laughs) Like, where does that come from? But hell, I feel the same way, like at work, you know, throughout the week. I work in a very corporate setting. So they're like, yeah, you know, like at times like this, we have to come together and it's like y'all dead that, leave it (laughs) where it is if anything talk about how you're going to contribute to like you know making the next step forward I feel like people when they're apologists they live so much in the past like no you have to think in present and future tense as a white person you know not so much how you can be an ally but how you can step back and let others who are actually doing the work be allies and be at the forefront because that's another thing you know white people love to take credit for some stuff and it's like <laughs> you didn't invent you ain't invent protesting and activism chill yeah.
1: yeah but they love being the people that have been at the t-shirts that say black lives matter and profit off of that shit you know what i mean like and, I'll, and don't get me wrong like my mother's white you know like i have family members that are white and we're not, we're just not that way. That's not how we approach things. I mean, we, you know, they were born and raised out here too. I mean, they lived in Trail Woods. for anyone that's, you know, in North County and understands the area. Um, and it's just like, I've never been a person that wanted sympathy or wanted you to feel bad for me. Like, if mm-hmm. you want change, do change for you. Don't do change for me, because uh, obviously according. this is going to be here forever. I mean, an unfortunate reality, but, you know, the best we can do is looking forward and, you know, continuing. Yeah, for sure.
0: for sure. For sure. I definitely agree with that. Um, I know one thing outside of what we just discussed that had me fed up this week is, y'all, please find some other resources. I swear, I would love for more people online to find resources for things, like for other things that they've seen like on social media saying, you know. You know, people get online and they say whatever. People have whatever description in their bio claiming to be a doctor or a physician or whatever. But I just don't understand following somebody so blindly, especially with things pertaining to health issues, finance, or I feel like anything related to, like, not related to entertainment, you should check. Yeah. Like, you know, I am not anti-social media anyway. You know, every time I open Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, I know I'm gonna give me a laugh. This would be some funny-ass video, some funny meme, but I don't look to social media containing all of the valuable information that I need. Or even if I do see something helpful on that app or carrying some sort of like statistics that I'm interested in, I'm going to do my own research online. So if somebody were to say, oh, you know, they're doing this federal relief fund or they're doing something of this sort, I'm like, okay, hmm, let me Google. You know, Google's always right there. Right, Google I'm that sure. Shit. Y'all got iPhones? Open <laughs> up Google. And the reason I'm bringing this up, Cameron, is because I don't... Feel feel like saying the lady name, but it's a certain influencer whose name I won't like even talk about. But she has been making all of these like liable claims related to health issues. And I personally hate it because people follow her so blindly. They're like, oh, well, what do you mean about that? Well, can you go further? No, she can't go further. She's not a damn doctor or a physician. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's stopping started with whatever information she got confronted with. And that's where it stopped. And it never went further. I yeah, don't
0: I- get that. Like... <laughs> (laughs) yeah it's
1: It's really backwards i mean i just like i got a bunch of friends that all do their fucking research over online and get one little article off the shade room and then now they know everything now now they got it all figured out and i'm like bro i'm gonna need you to do some more research about johnson and johnson's vaccine before you start asking me about who took it first of all (laughs)
0: everything about the vaccination is blowing my mind like all of the people getting online even recently um I know they were talking about how possibly for the Moderna vaccine, like you may Mm -hmm. have to get a booster every year. And people are like, see, they really just trying to inject us with this shit. They really just trying to get us. And it's like, well, technically, that's similar to what they do with the flu because it's a different strain of the flu every year. Therefore, you have to get a booster shot. And people like, well, the flu, the flu shot is different. And people like, do y'all asses not know that the flu shot is also a vaccine? Mm-hmm. Like,
1: yeah, like it. And it gets revamped every single year. Like it's like you said, every season it's readjusted, reaffirmed, so that way it's that much more proof. And even with these like vaccines, if I'm not mistaken, I think they're about 70% effective, mm-hmm. which is still very high. I mean, considering you know we had you know over some crazy amount, I forget what the exact number was of deaths from mm-hmm. COVID-19, but now they just released like the information for how many deaths for the flu, which was mm-hmm. 22,000. And I know that there was that running joke where like people were saying um what happened to the flu? What happened to getting a regular sick? All that good stuff but it's like we live in this reality so if we live in this reality if this is what we're confronted with how are we going to challenge it how do we like get to our old normal and get out of this new normal that we've lived in for the last year and a half almost
0: people don't seem to understand that they are so focused on going back to the old that it's like no that's not going to (laughs) be a way of living anymore you have to move forward and out of that mindset or else nothing will be changed especially within like the general population like to a degree the The good and bad thing about America is we still govern ourselves in a way so they can tell us so much and do so much, but they can't like break into your house and vaccinate you. Um, So, you know, you do have to make discussions. You do have to make decisions that are best for you, but it's still like be informed about these decisions, y'all come
1: on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the more you know, the less you, you realize you know. You know what I mean? And information is beautiful. I mean, just keep looking. You know, it's all there. It's all free. Like you <laughs> like you said, Google that shit. Your phone is like the most powerful thing you have in your fucking pocket. Look that shit up. Just as much as you scroll, get that thumb and tap some extra right. buttons and look it up.
0: Right.
1: Y'all know about these damn fashion over sales. Y'all should know yeah. what else is going on in the world. <laughs> Jesus right, yeah, Christ. Right, y'all know uh, Double Homicide. <laughs> is out here. <laughs> I am <laughs> I'm hollering,
0: but you guys, moving on to the main segment of the show, we have the make it make sense segment. So again, I have camera here with me today to discuss. You know being biracial, being of mixed race. And you guys, like we just said about research, I did mine. You know, I watched some TED Talks um, just to make sure I was prepared and sounded smart. Um, The one I watched is, Mm -hmm. Will America Ever Embrace Racial Ambiguity? Which was a segment um, led by Alexis Myers. I believe she was only 17 years old. And it was really interesting. And you know, I did a bit more research and tried to draw conclusions of my own. But one thing that they brought up on a lot of the, um, like, articles I read and research and even where they, like, interview specific individuals is, I didn't know this, but in 2000, that was the first time people of mixed race were able to select more than one race on the U.S. census, and, over 7.3 million people selected there, and 41% of those that selected uh, being of mixed race in more, more than one race, they were all under 18 years old at that time. So just to think about the amount of people that even identify as mixed race and them starting their own families, going out into the world, having more children and so forth, I was like, wow, I did <laughs> not know that. Like, I kind of put it into perspective because I'm like, that's interesting, especially considering America's like long run with being of mixed race and how that's changed over time. And you guys too, another thing that I wanted to decipher, because some people have a harder time with this and it's nothing, it's not being ignorant, but some people just don't know. But too, with our discussion today, I want to focus more on like actual mixed race and not, you know, ethnicity ethnicity because you know while race is more based on biology it's still a social construct sort of speak but ethnicity that's just more of the shared cultural heritage that people have but one thing I was gonna ask you Cameron like just to give us more background on yourself you know you said your mom is white so growing up how would you say you perceive your parents or was there ever a point in time where you're like okay I'm a little bit different from everybody else
1: well I mean definitely uh, growing up it was it was definitely different because like I said my mother was white a lot of my friends didn't have white moms they all had black moms or even my biracial friends that I was friends with their moms were mixed and like their pops were like black you know what mm-hmm. I mean and uh, it was different because like I mean just to give the credit to my dad and you know shout out to my grandfather, um, he named all of you know his children Arabic names. Mm-hmm. So my father's name, as the firstborn, is Oswad, which really means, actually means black. Literally means black. Oh, wow. And uh, and he grew up very, you know, he grew up very militant black, you know, very black in power. I mean, my dad bringing a white woman home was blasphemous, like wow. legit, like it literally changed the structure of our family now, because now we just got a bunch of like little high yellow kids running around. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's very much shout out to the transgender Oswad out there. <laughs> but um, but no, I mean, just growing up and seeing you know, myself as just Cameron, you know what I mean, was always the one thing that I got raised on. So for a long time, I didn't see race, as far as like in myself, Mm -hmm. but when I went to Hazelwood, you know grew up as mm-hmm. you know a lot of kids saw me especially in middle school spe- especially then mm-hmm. they saw me as white I was a kid that you know I definitely my first concert ever went to I went to Lincoln Park you know I didn't <laughs> I didn't really get down with the party like a rock star the fucking you know the uh you know like the D4Ls all that shit now mm-hmm. that I've gotten older I fucking love that shit I don't know why it just comes <laughs> to me because um you know shout out to Mike Jones <laughs> but um but just growing up I mean I never really saw too much into it it but mm-hmm. now that i've been an adult and i had the experience of going to school in Hayswood, then going to school in parkway north which was, a, which was very diverse group but it was very predominantly white mm-hmm. where i was seen as the black kid and i was seen as you know here's the new black kid coming around school and i'm like Yo, i just went through three years and everybody called me white boy and like all <laughs> oh, this emotion and like it never affected me because i always talked my shit like you know mm-hmm. um and i always appreciate i really do appreciate you opening up and saying my name the way you did I, as far as like just saying i'm unapologetically me all the time because i am Like, Mm -hmm. that's just how I saw it. But everywhere around me, people just saw it differently. And any time growing up, I made a comment like, oh man, that's some white people shit. It's like offensive to other white people for me to say that shit. Or if I say, oh, that's some nigga shit. Like (laughs) some people look at me like, yo, bro, like you you sure you got that pass to say that? Like the fuck, like, you know what I mean? You look too too light, bro, you know what I mean? So it was just always being the middle child for real and just Mm kind of looking on both sides. But then like, you know, ultimately, um, I really do see myself as a black man in this world. just because this is the world i live in i live in america where i will only be seen as a black man mm-hmm. and um and i'm not afraid to celebrate my mother because you know she's my rock she's my hero but mm-hmm. at the same time you know um i know where i stand with this You know. What but mean? even then
0: cameron correct me if i'm wrong even with your mom's side of the family, like, you're fairly close with them. It's nothing mm-hmm. of being like, nah. you know, I, I disown that part of my family. I'm just nah. black and nah. nothing of never. That sort.
1: Yeah, yeah, nah, never. I mean, they know it's good. I mean, like, you know, I worked at my uncle's pretzel shop. Shout out to those Pretzels out here. Yeah, <laughs> i will mean, go get you a cinnamon pretzel. <laughs> but um you know really like I grew up with my uncle like my uncle was like my Mm -hmm. big brother and you know and he's just white I mean he's just a straight white dude that was just hip and you know black women loved him that's Mm -hmm. all it was I mean my mom is you know I grew up with her playing most deaf tala um Mm -hmm. you know flowetry all these different black artists and just celebrating Mm -hmm. black culture not Mm -hmm. to be vulturing but like to be someone who really just loves it you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like my mom was going to she went and saw plies on 314 day (laughs) like a few years ago i'm like mom what the fuck are you doing (laughs) but you know just shit like that so i mean they don't take offense to it Mm -hmm. but they know what it is because i like to educate my side of you know my my white side of my family on what this is especially Mm -hmm. while we have the big racial discourse that we see here in america now Mm
0: -hmm. And that's great because, you know, even when I was looking at other videos of people talking about being mixed race, some people just have such a disassociation from one side compared to another because not so much of any resentment from one side of their family, but they're just kind of sheltered from it. Like I know there was one um, girl who she talked about growing up and her mom was Hispanic and white and her dad was black. But her biological fam, her biological dad wasn't really a part of her life. And her stepfather was white. So she just grew up in this very white household looking completely different from them. And it wasn't like they tried to ostracize her, but she always knew she was different. And then being somewhere with predominantly white people, when she would go into spaces, being with black people, she knew she fit in more there, but she still felt like she stuck out. Like literally, she was like, oh my gosh, I remember I went to like some sort of like all black um like poetry slam and they were talking about Juneteenth and for some reason she was very ignorant to knowing what Juneteenth meant mm-hmm. so when she was there she was just like oh my gosh, like can somebody see that I don't know anything about this and that I'm other? So like, have you ha- have you heard of any experiences with people who are mixed race who feel like, oh my gosh, I just don't identify with either side or I overly identify with one side?
1: Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I would even say growing up in Hazelwood, there was a few of our peers that mm-hmm. just, they just saw themselves as black. I mean, they didn't want to be seen as anything different. And that's mm-hmm. just because it is what it is, you know, like, and, and I think it has a big thing to do with the environment Environment that you're curated in. You know, like mm-hmm. if you're from Spanish Lake, you're going to be very different than if you grew up in, you know, Creep Core and mm-hmm. all your friends and you were able to have white friends. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that, I mean, in all honesty, I don't really think that we have the availability here at Hazelwood East to even have white friends. You know what I mean? And if you did the white people
0: that went to our school, we didn't even uh, see them as white. <laughs> we saw them as like, they white, but they like black. Poor. <laughs> yes, they're like caricatures of white we didn't have white people like Zach Efron or right. Hell
1: nah. Miley Zachary Cyrus.
0: Kobe. We had like shit, what's that man's name? Like uh
1: We had cheddar bobs everywhere. Nah, we ain't ain't no you know had I mean? Machine ain't no poses
0: Gun, there. Kelly, like <laughs> it <laughs> was very like what is yeah, it? Yeah,
1: John B's up in this month, Nah, it's fine, but <laughs> Nah, we actually, I wish we had a John B in that motherfucker, so we at least have a hip white dude, but I mean, and you know, that's no shade to any white kid that grew up where we grew up, because honestly, it was Mm -hmm. pretty fucking tough, you know what I mean, like, it was tough being me, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean, being somebody that spoke, you know, I guess, quote unquote, properly or whatever, and then, you know, listens to rock music while everybody else is, you know, doing their thing, you know what I mean, like, I just, it's tough, like, if you don't know how to defend yourself, and that was one thing I was blessed with by my grandfather on my Mm -hmm. dad's side, is that, You got to be prepared to weaponize yourself against people who are going to try your identity and try who you are. Mm Because there's a lot of people who just going to fuck with you, you know? And I, I just went with that.
0: And I mean, I feel like that's the best way to go. And especially when dealing with a child, because, you know, children know when they're different or when something about them is different. And other kids may not be quick to point it out, but they can just pick up on reactions and even look like, well, that person's being treated like this compared to how I'm being treated. So they know for sure. But, Even then, I feel like in today's society, outside of, you know, just the typical race relations between Black and white people, you see more people of mixed race coming to the forefront and talking about their own background and even, like, for instance, Meghan Markle, how she defines herself and even the treatment that she's endured uh, in the United Kingdom. Like, it's been crazy because even then, when she talked during the interview, I saw portion of the interview but even as a mixed race person with her white husband like very white husband Mm -hmm. her talking about how somebody made a statement like how dark is the baby gonna be
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious yeah I mean it fucked me honestly I thought it was kind of funny it just I don't know why it cracked my head and I was like what the fuck someone actually asked that like (laughs) but let me speak let me speak to that real quick actually and I'm gonna have a very controversial response
0: Go ahead. Say it.
1: I'm going to be honest. I don't fucking feel bad for anyone that is Meghan Markle. Because Meghan Markle, if we want to go into who she is, mm-hmm. she has never made a home in this black community that is black is African-American, mm-hmm. because she has always been part of the side of being biracial where she is white passing. Mm-hmm. And when you are in a white passing environment, you get obviously much more, like, you know, being fair skinned, you get privileges that are, yeah. you know, that you don't necessarily know. But with her being so white passing and being a part of roles that have been predominantly white viewed, white consumed. and then Then you go to Oprah, once the fucking most notoriously racist (laughs) group of family, your husband got caught blackfacing at a party and you want to sit here and you want to cry because it's like oh well now i need to make home cuz now i'm feeling you know i'm feeling the prejudice out in your mm-hmm. like you know in mm-hmm. England now you know me and my husband we can't we're cut off from the from the royal you know funds and mm-hmm. you know now we don't have security to protect us mm-hmm. bitch you're fucking a millionaire are you crazy like what and then on top of that you're still with this guy mm-hmm. who has been notoriously part of a family that has been extremely racist there's been no white Dukes ever. I mean, there's no been no black Dukes ever in mm-hmm. this family. But what makes you think that as someone coming into this is gonna change things? And I just have a problem with that part of, I guess, biracial culture where it's that teeter totter. It's like mm-hmm. I like this privilege, I take the privilege, but as soon as it bites me, I'm back, you know, I need to lean on my hard, you know, like, you know, my really my roots, my people that are gonna fight for me and be there for me. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, and I just can't get with it. I mean, that's just Meghan Markle in my personal opinion. I and think I mean, that
0: makes complete sense. Um, I've looked at her story time, like from time to time. And my only, I think one of the things that I more so uh, relate to her on is just more so the aspect of being a woman. Mm -hmm. And within that role of people more so wanting her to take the back seat and be quiet and let her husband say whatever he has to say and like speak up for her um but I mean you brought up a great point that teetering like like you said you know using it to your advantage with the end when it bites you in the ass it's like well wait a second wait a second I'm gonna flip the script and it's right. like well nah you should always be speaking up about issues but funny enough with Meghan Markle for her to be mixed race People do still associate her much more as white compared to those of other mixed race that we are synonymous with black. Like, you know, Barack Obama, mm-hmm. it was at first, when he first hit the scene, it was more, oh, mixed race, mixed race. Then it was easily mm-hmm. first black, black, yeah. black. And he's, and even then, Obama was, at least in my opinion, I feel like he was always vocal about both sides of his family and his roots and saying, yeah. you know, I come from a very different background, but my background and like my whole birth and everything is only something capable of happening in like America and in the United States like I don't think this could have happened anywhere else and even Highly Berry, you know, at first mixed race actress, mixed mixed race actress Mm -hmm. being first black, first black. And it's like, okay, can people (laughs) like not choose how they identify? Can they identify more than one? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. why is it this whole thing of, you know, you only, you're only going to identify with one side?
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. And it's, and it's always, you know, I will say that identity does get, you know, you battle through that, you know, Mm -hmm. being biracial, but I mean, ultimately, I think that, you know, like, it's important just to be you and just to be authentic. I just think it's important that you are recognized, you recognize your privilege. And when you have that platform, mm-hmm. and then understanding that, you know, there is a fine line between looking for black support and looking for people to fall back with you and understand what's going on, mm-hmm. and then pimping out. Your people where you're saying like hey shit's fucked up these white people don't like me I, I need some i need some black folk love like i need some some real black girl magic black boy magic like mm-hmm. i need all that for me you know and it's like you can't have it both ways and i think and people
0: concerned. i think people do that after a while they see it as a fall back plan because they realize how strong like black culture is and you know we have an entire um, what is it, dysphoria of black culture. Like, you know, a black British person is going to be the same as somebody from the West Indies, black Americans, completely different, but still how we intertwine and in things that are like similar across the board is still very strong. And you see like hints of black culture everywhere. So I think in hindsight, a lot of people can't stand on, I feel like, like you said, being white passing. Because, you know, for a while it could, it could have had its benefits back in the 1950s, 40s, so forth. But now it's like, oh nah, people calling you out.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. Like, like we mean- know up front yeah exactly I mean and it's it's all about like those receipts right because now we live in a world where there's nothing but receipts you know mm-hmm. and people are gonna find out like Doja Cat you know you going on whatever Omegle and you using the n-word all crazy and it's like I get it I get the edginess but it's like these people are gonna run receipts on you especially when you yes. make a home did she Black ever 90.
0: say did she ever provide your response to that too now that you brought that up I forgot Doja Cat was biracial and had was showing what they say showing feet in racial chat rooms oh my god
1: <laughs> i know and that's like what kills me i mean and that's like one thing that i do think i kind of have fun with being biracial is that i do have fun with like what's fucking offensive about you mm-hmm. know both sides because i mean in an idea like it's real fucking comedy being mixed i mean it's the slave and the master like mm-hmm. it's a fu- like it's really is like a tragedy and a comedy all in itself and mm-hmm. it's kind of like one of those things where you learn to laugh through that you know what mm-hmm. i mean so i mean i feel like i i don't I'm not validating those. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, like you know, it's still like you know, people going. But but too,
0: again, don't. how you have been saying before, you're comfortable in both sides of that identity of identifying as I'm mixed race. I am black and I am white. You That's know, right. whereas a lot of people aren't comfortable at all. A lot of people just cannot handle it. They feel like, oh my gosh, just so much pressure from either side, or there's no pressure at all. So. I'm just, like, stuck in the middle and I have no way of embracing it. Like, I don't know what else to do. And that's always, like, baffled me to a degree because, like you said, why not just, I don't know, stand up for yourself or even then have parents? Because, obviously, I would feel like if I was a black woman and I were to have a child with a white man, I would be like, look, you go going to go through some stuff, but mm-hmm. we're going to have to toughen you up, you know. You can go about this. You can build your own resilience to it. However you choose to identify is up to you. But like you said, know that there are repercussions with feeling like you have whatever um, allegiance to either side and you just have to deal with that. So I'm always amazed even at the aspect of people who are parents in interracial relationships who choose to have kids
1: yeah absolutely yeah i mean and it's i feel like in a lot of ways you know in an ideal world when you think about it like you know you shouldn't have to have those conversations but we do you know and it's legit
0: mm-hmm. and
1: i think a lot of that you know as uh you know i guess speaking to anyone that is uncomfortable in their identity right now being biracial i mean i would honestly just say like i mean you don't need to have an opinion you don't need to have it right Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like you don't need to be this all-american you know black man but then i'll be this all-american white man or white woman or whatever you are Mm -hmm. and you know just like don't don't be afraid to like you know just be you you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like ultimately whatever your interests are that tribe will call to you, you know what yeah. I mean? Cause when we talk about those cool white people, those cool white people that get into like black relations, you know what I mean? Especially you see a lot in black men, I will say that, I mean, not black men, white men, a lot mm-hmm. of times like dating a black woman, he's usually just a cool dude. Like he's usually just a cool <laughs> dude that likes similar shit to his girl, his gal and it's like, whatever. But like, you know, when you start sensing that poser in them, then it's like, this nigga might get beat up at this, <laughs> I don't know. Like, yo, like someone need to go get Tony over here. Like this might be a problem, you know?
0: But you know what? The, I feel like you brought it back up in like just to kind of close everything and tie up the ends of our discussion, even more so in my research, there was a professor Ronald Sunstorm of University of San Francisco. And I believe he is a professor of sociology. And he's also of mixed race. He was Asian and black. I believe he was like Filipino and black, but he was just trying to say, you know, as someone who's also mixed race with our identity, identity is more so a product of your surroundings, if anything. So going back to what you said in the beginning, having both sides pour into you equal parts of the culture and not really try to dictate, well, you know, hey, Cameron, this is how you need to identify, or this is what you should be listening to, where it was more so like, oh, giving you a choice. Like, hey, are you interested in this? Okay, let's talk about that then. Or, okay, you like soccer? We go put you, I don't <laughs> give a damn if you were to all black school, we go put you in whatever soccer club, or you know what you do like that rap or whatever else, we gonna go here and do that, like, kind of so much fueling your child's desires sort yeah. of. speak yeah
1: no absolutely i mean it's just yeah i mean that's really just that i mean mm-hmm. you when it came down to me like making a decision to play soccer at a school that almost didn't have a fucking program i mean literally like i had <laughs> yes. like the coach asking me like please play like we will not have a program if you do not play Mm -hmm. And, you know, just that, you know, just my own interest being involved was the biggest front runner in all that, because I would like, you know, like you've been saying, like, you know, your identity is something that you're going to be chasing because it is a construct. It is, you know, there's a bunch of ideas and a bunch of people that are going to tell you who you should be and who you think you are. Hell, it's
0: just like gender. To me, the whole thing surrounding like gender identity and gender politics, how people are like, well, I'm trans. Well, I'm cisgender. Like, that's how it kind of falls into play with race. To me
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, and I will say this too, and this may be a challenge, I guess, out to, I mean, even the black community primarily, you know, um, just allow kids to want to see something different. You know what I mean? Like allow mm-hmm. your son and daughter want to play soccer or like listen to, you know, audio slaves or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like allow them to venture and explore in, in, into this world because it makes them a more well-rounded person overall.
0: Like, yes. I don't
1: I don't want to toot my horn, but, like, I feel like I could be thrown into them, like, real corporate settings and, like, really, like, spiff it up, sir. And, hey, <laughs> Chester, how are you doing? And, like, you know, really, like, do what I got to do to make it, you know, to survive. Mm-hmm. But then you could drop me in, you know, Playboy Cappuccino. or You could drop me in Big Daddy's and we could mm-hmm. be chilling. And it's a vibe. And it's like, mm-hmm. hey, what's good? Like. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or you hit the east side and go crazy. You know what, mean? Really me. you know what I mean? Really get crazy. Uh
0: but you know
1: what I mean? <laughs> but that makes
0: complete sense. So people let your kids do them. And if you are somebody who identifies as mixed race or biracial, like you said choose how you want to identify and go forth with that and even then that may be evolving over time with more things that you learn or more um just things that you align with in your own vision for your life so you know make sense of it y'all make sense of it because y'all will Uh, moving on to the last segment of the show we have you are drove so you guys this is just typical disclaimer that i always do but drove is a saint louis term for when you thought something was going to work out in your favor and it just does not it goes left goes so 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 left you just like damn but it happens to all of us so you guys this week's you are drove is in um talking about the pastor of hillsong who quit after a cheating scandal and you know i feel like with everything going on with COVID, America is long overdue for a good pastor scandal. Like, you know, every few years, it just be some bullshit with some well-known pastors, whether it's uh, T.D. Jakes. What was the guy's name who was like hooking up with men in Atlanta? I forgot his name. Oh,
1: no. Yeah, what about the pastor that was in St. Louis that like had like a moat around his home and like was getting like Gucci, uh, like fits and everything. He got like, interviewed by the irs because they were trying to figure out where his misappropriation of funds were going and he was like Ooh. doing crazy stuff but like it was insane about it. he was having one of those like big churches here in uh, st louis well
0: i didn't hear about that i know they got on my mom loves him but they got on his ass when the hurricane happened joe olstein in mm-hmm. houston and that was <laughs> funny as hell because i said look at him i told my mama, like just greedy see see mm-hmm. what you are fueling but again you guys This is Pastor Darnell Barrett of Hillsong Church. He resigned Tuesday after sharing explicit photos to at least one of his followers, a woman on Instagram. And he keeps claiming it was a mistake, but, (laughs) but the woman is like, nah, nah, nah. So he's married and he's, even though he's a pastor, he's technically the creative director. I don't know what a creative director of a church does. But he is married and the unnamed woman, she reached out to Daily Mail and said she was a former volunteer at Hillsong. So she knew of him and that she said, um, oh, I'm sorry, this was actually another woman. She said that he did the same thing to her. So these are two women who come out and say, oh, he did this little hoe, try to like slip up and slide in my DMs and added them both to his close friends. So mm-hmm. when he added them to his close friends it was like an inappropriate picture. And so she was like, up wait a minute. Why would you? And then he tried to do a trick of I've never heard of this. Like I like I've done some random shit in DMs like when I've been drunk or tipsy like let me DM
1: <laughs> just send
0: them off. But He added her to the close friends. She saw it and was like, hmm, did not say anything. Then he DM'd her, almost like bait. It was like, oh, I'm so sorry I added you to my close friends. I didn't mean to do that. And she said, nah, that wasn't an accident. And he tried again to follow up with an apology before she blocked him. And then... She thought about it some more and said, you know what? I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. And she unblocked him and told him, for you to go out of your way to make it seem like you accidentally added me to your close friend, then to actually message me about knowing that would make try to make me go look is bullshit. like the just, woman is like obviously you wanted me to see your dick
1: <laughs> yeah i mean well the kicker was he was the creative director sending dick pics i mean if that's not more fucking ironic i don't know what it is <laughs> you got glitter dick pics in their dms right now like that is crazy
0: but how do you even Like, try to backtrack that. Like, it's one thing to add, like, okay, I'm even, I am a fan of close friends. It's hilarious. I like it. But to add somebody to your close friends, like, you have to be very, you're very aware that you're adding them. Like, you literally have to go to your settings, go to privacy, then go to close friends, then add them. Like, you are being deliberate. When It's not no accident. Like, oh, I added you. I thought you were somebody else. No, you knew what you were doing. One. (laughs) two he went back and then messaged her like oh my bad i mean to add you She like i didn't even know like
1: <laughs> i mean here's the thing though this man was playing with his life you know how close them close friends and then your public add to story buttons are yeah I'm no, that's, not, true. I'm not, that's what i'm saying that's a slip up to like a public dick pic like that's public execution as a pastor so like
0: he was out there on the line baby. They need to let these people out the house. He said, "Look, COVID got me locked up. I can't do my booty calls at church, you know, after a <laughs> sermon or whatever else, but I'm gonna get these, I'm gonna get these DMs in." And so you guys, he stepped down after the scandal and admitted that there was actually infidelity going on due to his part in his marriage that he needed to handle and again he keeps claiming this that it was not purposeful it was an accident <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is almost as entertaining as that Derek jackson scandal uh, which had me dead that's a whole different story but this is actually amazing i i love hearing like you know what i, I hate to hear that some dude is out here doing some low down shit and just can't own up to it. You know what I mean? Like I'm mm-hmm. a big firm believer. Like, Hey, if you fuck up, you fuck up, own up to it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like write it, regret it. Cause the moment you start saying, I sorry in the DMS, you fucked up. You're already, you're already done for But yeah, I don't know. It just kicks me. I mean, I'm glad that, you know, that whole, tr- you know, uh, that's just crazy. That's just
0: it is. It's crazy <laughs> because it's like, why would you not, that's not adding up. Like no. it would have to make more sense. Like I could see maybe if it was a damn baby on the close friends. Like a little kid took a picture and then they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh shit, that's the only sent it to you." <laughs> Something of that sort. But. <laughs> Something as deliberate as adding and messaging, like,
1: as a sir, pick. <laughs> you set shit. me
0: up and she said, I got something for you. I'm telling.
1: Right. Yeah. Nah. I mean, and that's, that's, uh, that's what you got to do. I mean, honestly, you got to like call out these guys that do shit and think mm-hmm. that it's okay to get off on it and just walk away. Like it's, it's like home free is a solo walk off. Like nah, bro. Like you got to read that back, man. Find the replay on that action, bro
0: i'm hollering but you guys that is it for today's episode it was a pleasure having cameron um do you want to let my listeners know where they can find you
1: yeah um i'm here in spanish lake Goddamn me Nah, i'm joking actually i'm a case manager for youth in need um street outreach program um here in i my jurisdiction is the saint charles area but that doesn't limit me from helping out in the county and city so by all means, um, if you, and this ain't no paid advertisement, by no means, anything like this. This is my heart going out to this. Um, you know, if you are have any youth um, anywhere between 18 and 24 years old that's experiencing homelessness or couch surfing or don't even know they're homeless, mm-hmm. have them contact uh street outreach program. Um, is it okay if I drop the number? I don't want to drop the number. On yeah, that.
0: you definitely can. Oh,
1: okay. All right. Our street outreach number is 314-280-0941. That's 314-280-0941. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just being a part of that conversation with somebody and being, you know, that first entry of change for them can really change some lives out here. And, you know, I look in the city every day and I see a bunch of, you know, 18 to 20 some year olds homeless Mm -hmm. and uh, we got to change that. So.
0: And I mean, that's great. Definitely appreciate your work and involvement with the youth. They definitely need it. And especially considering it's about to be summertime, it's about to be hot outside. I know some people don't got air. Y'all, if you do need help, please use that as a resource. Um, Cameron just dropped the details. I'll also include it in the description of the episode. But, you guys, that is it for today's episode. Um, Yeah, leave us a review, comment, all of that shit, you know. (laughs) Boost stuff up. That's how I like to do it. But, anyway, you guys, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Annoyed Not Offended with It. Have a question or interested in sharing an annoyance of your own to be read on the show? Email annoyednotoffended at gmail.com. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Annoyed Not Offended for more hilarious content and updates on the show. And please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time,
1: bye.